1: And welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Theora. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters. And we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers. What's on the Big Gay agenda today, Theora? Today is book club. Woo! (laughs) Woo!
0: Woo! All right. For today's book club, we will be discussing the latest installment of Heartstopper volume five by Alison Osman. Uh, We are covering this because we obviously love Heartstopper. Just go back and look at our content. We have many, many Heartstopper episodes. So many, <laughs> so many, because we just need to talk about this show slash book because it's incredible. Um, so we hope this helps tide you over until season three. If you've, you've been following us for our like TV discussions Because I can guarantee that like part of this will be in season three for sure. Um, So we're going to talk about the book and then we're probably going to speculate on what's going to go on in season three. If you haven't read Heartstopper volume five, it's actually online for free. If you just like, well, we can link the webtoon. So apparently Alice like releases it early as a webtoon because that's how Heartstopper started. So you can like go read all the books if you want for free on the internet and we can link it below so like go read it it takes like an hour to read it it's a graphic novel it's very easy to read if you're not into that we will give a spoiler free review in the beginning so you know what you're getting yourself into and then when we jump to the spoilers we will let you know when we get there if you don't want to be spoiled uh before we jump into that we would like to uh introduce our new host today we have uh, Alana
2: here. Elena. Elena, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's just every, every first day of school of my life, Theora. It's fine. It's always uh, Alan, Elaine, Alania. I'm so used to it, so no worries. <laughs> you get called Alan? Yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Oh, man. If you, can, if you can spell it right, you can't pronounce it right. But if you can pronounce it right, you can't spell it right. That's just been the curse since I was born.
0: <laughs> As somebody with a weird name, I totally feel that. Yeah. I, was, I always knew it was me and the roster when there was a long pause. I was like, that's me. Because so they're like, first name? I don't know. Last name? I don't know. And I was like, yep.
2: <laughs> I know people who have known me for like three years in high school and they would still like call the roster and they wouldn't get my name right. I'm like, seriously, guys? You've known me for how long?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, spoiler funny. Elena's name actually ends with an E, not an A. But uh, she decided she doesn't want to add the E. <laughs> I don't
2: have issues when it's spelled like this. That's the funny part. <laughs>
1: Except what Theora's saying. It's fine. Oh, to be fair, I have it with an E in oh. the the uh notes. So. Alright. Well thank you for joining us today. We are so excited that the audience gets to meet you.
2: Thanks for having me. Alright. And
1: before we get into the episode, of course I have to go through my giant spiel that I do in every episode, or almost every episode, because we forget sometimes. Okay, ready? If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our channel. Give this video a like and drop a comment to share your thoughts. We absolutely love hearing from you. For our podcast listeners, please download this episode and leave a review if you can. Your engagement helps us reach a broader audience and spread the joy of queer content. For even more exclusive queer content, early access to videos, and full reaction videos, join us on Patreon. Dive into discussions on our Discord channel where we enjoy connecting with all of you. Explore our merchandise at biggayenergypod.com to show your support. All links will be in the description. Lastly, stay connected with us on all social media platforms by following @biggayenergypod. Your interactions mean the world to us, and these actions contribute to our ongoing celebration of queer media and advocacy for better representation. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. So, would you like to introduce Hardstopper
1: Volume 5? Who are you talking to?
2: You, you
1: wrote <laughs> <Me>. the synopsis. <laughs> oh, did I? That's right. So, according to Google, Nick and Charlie are in love. They've said those three little words. And Charlie has almost persuaded his mom mum, to let him sleep over at Nick's house. He wants to take their relationship to the next level, dot, dot, dot but can he find the confidence he needs and with nick going off to university next year is everything about to change what a conundrum <laughs> <laughs> that is the synopsis that Heart is the synopsis volume <laughs> 5 by alice Os- osman osman alice osman, Os- osman. Os- Os- thank you
0: <laughs> so okay so if you if you've read the book like all of the graphic novels to this point this this volume happens before like the nick and charlie novella which is basically takes place like as nick's about to go to university so this is kind of like like the lead up and spoiler there's going to be a volume six so this isn't the last hardstopper volume which is really exciting because i think it was supposed to be but alice yeah. is like there's i it just it's such a big universe I, I need one more volume so there's gonna be a total of six in the graphic novel series but then she has a couple of novellas about nick and charlie also so like This isn't the end, but we're like, we're almost at the end, which is a little sad.
1: (laughs) What are the odds that she rates six? And it's like, oh, but it's not enough. (laughs) I think people would love that. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So,
0: all right. So spoiler free review. So without spoiling anything, what in your own words, like, what did you think of this book overall?
1: Did you like it and that kind of stuff? I was prepared for this, okay? Okay. So here is my one sentence, because when I hear a brief, I think one sentence. So yeah. one-liner. It is a very cute and super queer book that tackles stigmatized issues in a healthy way. I agree. Yeah.
2: Elena, what do you think? Um, I think it, it stays true to the Heartstopper vibes. It does tackle uh, issues that don't really get talked about, especially in teen media, Um especially that are becoming more and more addressed, um, specifically with queer teenagers. Um, And it's in a very healthy light that, you know, as she said, doesn't stigmatize, doesn't make it feel like it's taboo. It's just teenagers being teenagers. So,
0: Yeah, I agree. I think everything you guys just said, and I'll add, there's like a lot of discourse going on that I've seen recently in like book social media about like, YA in general, where like I'm I have an issue with this too, where it's like it caters to 30 year olds, it caters to like my demographic instead of like the demographic it's supposed to be, which is minors. Mm. And I think that Alice truly whites actual YA with like these are minors, like they're not 18, they're younger than that and they're figuring out life and like transitioning into adulthood and I think this book is a stellar example of like what YA actually is and should be because Alice really keeps that audience in mind like you said and I think that's why it feels very healthy the way she writes a lot of the topics like the mental health stuff the Nick and Charlie trying to take their relationship to the next level it's it's written for the audience it's intended to and I absolutely love that about her writing I think that she just nails it it's not like creepy (laughs) you know what i mean like sometimes it can be like really creepy but i think it's very sweet and it's felt authentic the way she wrote every piece of that and honestly i really hope the tv show adapts it in the style in which she wrote she wrote it like to keep that audience in mind and stay true to like the ages
1: of nick and charlie and their friend group you said it's not creepy But, like, if you grow up with the type of content that they're catering towards the older age group, you think it's normal. It's not normal.
0: No. No. When people are out here being like, Red, White, and Royal Blue is YA, I'm like, how? They're in their mid-20s. What
2: are you talking about? The author even (laughs) says it's not YA. Casey McQuiston has even said it's not YA. It's an adult book. So, yeah and
0: I'm like, how and like that's the perception, like that's why. I'm like, no, it's not. That's like <laughs> adult books. Yeah. Like Hardstopper is YA, Percy Jackson is YA. And like Rick Riordan's another one who writes actual true YA for the audience it's meant to. And so I really <laughs> I like that because honestly, I think that talking going back to like I know this is a brief Caitlyn, but going back to like the stigmatizing piece, like I think it's important for actual young adults, like transitioning into adulthood to learn about a lot of these topics that was covered in, in volume five about like exploring your sexuality, like physically and things like that. And having those conversations because oftentimes it's like, no, they're children. You can't talk about that. So then like people are on YouTube or like floundering to figure stuff out and make mistakes. But like having conversations in a healthy way in an age appropriate way, I think is some, something huge that like YA can do really well, like putting it in a fictional story And I think Alice consistently throughout her books really handles topics like mental health and like how to communicate with your family when you're the minor. Like she does those things so beautifully and the, the conversations in it are just, they feel so real. So like I appreciate her writing so much for that because I wish I had this when I was a kid and trying to like, figure out like these really challenging topics that like it's weird to talk to your parents about or like you talk to your friends and they don't know anything they're also 16 like or they pretend
1: to because that's what the media tells them
0: <laughs> yeah, and like american media when it's quote ya has like 16 year olds acting like 30 year olds and like i hate that because i'm like that's not what being 16 is like and i think alice nails it like all of the all of the hard topics to like deal with she she handles them beautifully and I think these are really important books for for that aspect and showing queer joy and love and normalizing those relationships and all those pieces. But she's such a great writer. Absolutely love it.
2: So
1: uh, brief review, even shorter. It's a great book. Go read it. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's easy
0: to read too. It's a graphic novel if you weren't aware. So you get like pictures of Nick and Charlie and all the characters and it's very fast to read. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was the spoiler free review. So I think the best way to sum it all up is by rating it on the big gay energy scale. So if you don't know what that is, it's basically a scale of one to 10 or whatever you want. It's not scientific. It's just based on queer love and feelings. Eh, Except Caitlin thinks it's scientific. You told me it was scientific. (laughs) I'm being facetious, Caitlin. All right. So the best way to sum it up is like, how much big gay energy did you think the book has? So we'll let Kayla go first.
1: Okay. So my scientific (laughs) opinion, I think... Yes, because like I actually do was working on a scale that I forgot about. It's somewhere in here. I'll keep working <laughs> on it. But it's really hard not to give Heartstopper in general a ten because the representation is so vast and well done, and it doesn't stereotype people. People have feelings and they talk about it. It's it's just very well done. So it has to get a ten just by based on representation alone.
2: Helena, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I kind of agree. I'd say I'm very swayed towards a 10 because Heartstopper's always been very near and dear to my heart. Heartstopper for me, it's something that's always made me feel very seen in as a teenager because I I was one of those teenagers. I was boring. I would go home. I would watch TV. I'd play video games. I wouldn't go out and party (laughs) because I just didn't care to. Um, Same. And just talking about the typical teenager things, I... Just wasn't interested. I was a theater kid. I didn't care about any of that kind of stuff. I was like, I'm, I'm just here, and like, <laughs> like the the scenes where they're all at a sleepover, they're eating candy. That was what my friends did. We didn't go drinking. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'd say a solid ten because just I feel very seen by this series very much. Theater kids, we party different. We do. <laughs> We
1: played Cards Against Humanity in a basement eating candy.
2: When I was in college, we would play Jackbox, and then when we weren't playing Jackbox, we'd be playing, like, Naughty Dog video games. One person playing, and everybody else just spectating. It's, like, The Last of Us or Uncharted. That was, like, the go-to's.
0: Honestly, I want to do that now. I'm I not know, right? Lie. It's so fun. It is fun. Okay, I'm gonna be the oddball and give it a 20 out of 10. Because <laughs> I didn't know you that know was allowed. Like, how are you gonna give it lower than a 10? You've never done that even in the episode. No, it's hard separate. I agree, you can't <laughs> give it lower than a 10. I'm gonna give it a 20 out of 10 because Tori appears, and I wasn't uh, expecting it.
2: That's so true.
0: And she gets an extra 10 just by showing up. And, like, <laughs> I was... I felt so satisfied by her appearance and what happens to her in this volume because, like, honestly solitaire like i read solitaire after watching Heartstopper, and just that book sticks with me every single day it's so well done and incredible and just i love that alice like com- she was always like uh story you know tori's story's been told like i don't need to revisit tori so i love that she did she's like no we need to wrap up tori and so like i wasn't expect. i thought she was done and so that was a nice little like ah
1: uh, for tori It's true. I can't even have the words.
0: Just that. I'm excited for
1: more Tory and not just Diet Lemonade Tory. I love in the next season. I'm hoping that
2: that happens. I'm very excited for the casting for Michael. It's like yes. Oh my god,
1: the
0: casting (laughs) for Michael. Yes, spoiler: Michael Holden's gonna be in it. Yay! All right, let's just jump into the spoilers. Everybody, we're here. (laughs) If you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening. Google heartstopper webtoon go read the book wait for the boot mo- wait for the show to come out whatever sure wait for the movie <laughs> wait, hopefully there's a movie about solitaire i'd be down for that all right yeah i mean i'd be down for adaptations of all of her work honestly honestly yeah okay so let's do it let's jump into the book um okay so general likes and dislikes and would you read this again it was our first like talking point truthfully i would read anything and have read most things that Alice has written. Um, I truly love her writing style, whether it's in graphic novel form or like the novellas, which are just like, not short stories, but they're, they're basically story format. Her drawing skills are also just, she's so crazy talented. I love her drawings. Like, and it just like, it just, it brings me joy. It warms my heart. And i you know, I've talked about this in the brief section, but like, she does manage to just insert life lessons that feel very grounded and not forced into a story, which I love. A lot of like YA, not YA literature, but like shows to me feel like they're forcing life lessons into it sometimes. Like, I don't know, but like Alice doesn't, it's very seamless and it just feels very, like she's writing from a real place and it comes across that way, which I really love. I also love that in her stories, it's not like a single point of view she manages to tell stories from different characters' points of view, characters with different backgrounds, characters from different ages. Like she inserted like the teacher plot line in there. And then like you'll have stuff from Elle, from Tori. And so you get like intersectionality. You get points of view from different people. And to me, that tells a more complete story. And you can see those life lessons from different lenses versus just seeing it from Charlie. At least in the graphic novel, it feels that way. In the novellas, they tend to be like one, one or two POVs. But... Like in this book, for example, she, one of the topics is like having sex for the first time as like, you know, young adults figuring that stuff out. And she had multiple people talk about this from like committed relationship point of view, like Tao talks about it. And then like Nick and Nick and his friend group. And there's different like people with different queer identities. And like uh, different sexualities and they're having these kind of conversations together, which I think is so so important and just kind of like lacking in media in general because it does help normalize it and show that like, hey, we all have this thing in common. Or like, I like the way that that topic in particular was handled because it's like, hey, we are teenagers and don't have shit figured out and that's okay. Like she kept it very age appropriate, which is not always the case. And so like, hats off to you, ma'am. Like you really like her books are just so good and they just they leave you with like warm fuzzy feelings at the end too even when she's tackling like ridiculously heavy topics like in solitaire it's like depression was like the main stay of it like it still like ends with like happy feelings at the end so I, I love that about her writing
1: happily ever after <laughs> um so this was the I've never read the books the graphic novels before uh so Theora had me read four and five for this just to get a background on what five was going to be about because four wasn't really tackled in the show yet. No that will be the next season for sure. Yeah so this was my first introduction to the books and I really enjoyed it and but like obviously since i seen the show first I was basically just like watching it because and like the drawings helped because so I was just like watching the actual characters do it in my head and like thinking oh how are they going to adapt this to the tv show. Anyway um I just it was a very nice and relaxing read I mean it could be because I was sitting in this like swingy chair in Mexico reading it but you know style, anyway you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh I do I brought this up before but I really do love that the book tackles these stigmatized issues because people don't like to talk and luckily mental health has been getting better over the years but mm-hmm. I know when I was going through so much stuff when i was 13 it was just not talked about and i felt like i was a terrible person and like i was weird and broken but having these characters actually talk about what's going on in their heads it's so helpful and i hope that this allows for more conversations between uh uh, peers uh, because you don't even want to talk to your friends sometimes about it but knowing that like other people go through it allows you to be more comfortable, and it's not weird. Like it's not weird to go to therapy anymore. It's just like, oh, you don't have a therapist? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> what trauma do you have? Yeah, let's talk about our trauma. That's the best intro to meeting people. Anyway, <laughs> but that's why I love media in general, and why I love this podcast because, like, we do get to talk about these things. Uh, I also love that in Heartstopper in general, like the drama is usually external rather than the relationship drama. Like, oh, you didn't talk to me about this. And oh, I'm jealous about you going out with that friend. No, it's usually like college and well, university and parents, all these external things that you have to deal with rather than just like couples fighting with each other, which stresses me out. I don't know about you though.
0: No, I agree. It's my problem. You heard me rant about it when we did a high school musical show. Like, when they force relationship drama, it's so annoying. Versus, like, Heartstopper. There's relationship, like, tension it quote, drama with Nick and Charlie and the other couples. But it's not like you're saying, it's not just like weird forced stuff. It's like things that happen in real life. It's like, we're both stressed about these things and that's causing issues. Like that's how people work. So yeah, I I enjoy that. And it, it shows that like kids go through this stuff too. Cause a lot of times like with younger people, it's like, oh, your problems aren't that big. Your problems aren't that serious. But like, yeah, they can absolutely be serious. Like, and should be taken seriously. You know, it gives like validation
1: to minors, which is important, you know. I hate when people act like kids and, like, teens' problems aren't real problems. Like, yes, they're still learning life. Everything they go through is the end of the world to them because that's all they know in their world. That is their world,
2: yeah. I think my favorite part about this book was definitely kind of... I think you guys kind of touched on it, but, like, the whole idea that teenagers, um... they just want to be treated like adults. And this kind of... I think the whole series has kind of tackled it, um... Throughout the sh- throughout the series But I think especially in this one Because of things like sex, having sex for the first time And like with Nick going off to university It's this whole thing about I just want to be treated like an adult Which can be translated to I just want to be respected That's really the long and short of it A lot of teenagers when they say they want to be treated like a, an adult It's just they don't want to be treated with respect Because adults are automatically respected Which when you become an adult You kind of learn that's not true But <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> Um, but it's, I love the way it's tackled where, um, like, you, you have the prime example of Charlie's mom's trying, kinda, but Nick's mom, Nick's mom's already there, honestly. She's already there. Sarah Nelson. I mean, we love Olivia Coleman. We do. She's the best. Sarah Nelson wins, like, mom of the year. Mom of the year, for sure. Um. I always forget she has a name. It's just Olivia Coleman <laughs> to the two of us. Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, she's just one of my favorites for sure. Um, yeah. I just love the All series right. as a whole, so.
1: <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just beautiful.
0: I wish I had that. The long and short of it is I wish I had this when I was a kid. I know, seriously. Yeah. So thank you, Alice, for creating this so that other little <laughs> queer youths or just youths in general have this media to, you know, learn from. Yeah.
1: It's important, like, these topics are very, it's not queer focus. it's, like, normal issues that teens go through, so for sure. it's for everybody. It is. And it's not just,
0: like, a book of fables, like, it's also just, like, entertaining and fun and very sweet, you know?
2: Yeah. It's just teenagers being teenagers, but they're also queer.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm here for it. Yes. Okay, so, what scenes did you enjoy... And like want to scream about i think we could just easily transition into the sex stuff because i thought that that was i wouldn't see that i didn't see that coming i thought it was really great so specifically talking about like the way they did sex education in oh, the book God. okay so i really i really love this because it was portrayed in a very realistic way like I'm assuming, did you guys have okay? Because we grew up in America, if you're not aware and listening in America, sex education ranges from actual education to Christians coming in and trying to convert you, depending on where you live. So I'm just curious when you guys did you guys have quote sex education in like a public school, I guess, or like high school or lower or whatever? Like, did you guys have that? And what was your experience? What was um, it like, the class or whatever probably. if you had? Them?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have the scene that you're going to talk about in a little bit. But I remember (laughs) in sixth grade, uh, they split the boys and girls because you can't learn the same things, apparently. I think we did learn the same things, but it was that the boys couldn't be trusted to be around the girls learning about it. So we, I don't fully remember, but I remember they gave us like diagrams of everything, like body types and like teaching every like, they went all in on that. And I was like really surprised because we didn't do that in high school, but this is sixth grade and they were like, okay, so now this is a male anatomy and all of this. And I was like, I don't remember what we learned. I think I just kind of shut down. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm very embarrassed by this. This isn't something we talk about. And then uh, high school health was just basically talking, don't drink and do drugs. So that was the extent of that. But we learned more about in sixth grade, which I feel like is a little odd, but I guess. So,
0: yeah, I had like in sixth, I don't even know if it was sixth grade, I think it was like fifth grade or something. It was biology. It wasn't like sex ed. It was more like female biology, male biology. And of course, they split up the genders because that makes no sense when you're trying to learn the same thing to like explain biology to you but the sex, which is not sex ed. Like in America, like there's there's biology and then there's like sex ed. So like the sex ed for me happened, I think in high school and it was abstinence class is what it was. Where they're like, you'll have, it's basically the scene from Mean Girls where they're like, you'll get pregnant and die. Like that was my sex ed basically. And they made you That's sign fair. like an abstinence pledge. Like that was sex ed. So what they have in Heartstopper is not, I grew up in the South where like, people don't have sex. Like, that's the mentality. Like, if you don't have sex, you won't get pregnant. You won't get STIs, like, and you'll be fine. And it's like, that's not realistic and that's insane. So then you end up with the opposite in data-wise where you have more teen pregnancies because you're not teaching people the right stuff. So anyway, that's America. So I do love the way it was handled in Heartstopper because they were actually teaching them, like, lessons about sex, like, how to have safe sex, basically, where it's, like, the condom demonstration and stuff. But I love the way it's portrayed from the kid's point of view that like ultimately what they're learning is useless (laughs) because that's not what they want to know. Um, and Charlie's like, we learned how to do the condom thing last year. Like, why are you teaching us the same thing over and over again? So it, it felt very much like what I learned in school, which is like the, the basic, like nothing where they're like, don't get STI, like sexually transmitted infections. Like, this is how you prevent pregnancy. So it was very much like, I don't know, like not super helpful. So I love that the way Alice portrayed like the kids asking all these questions to the professor and they're like, um, they're like, well, what is is it too young to have sex? Or like, how do you you be good at it? Like people have all these other questions that they would like to ask. So it shows like the curiosity of kids that age and like what they actually want to know, which is not like sexually transmitted infections,
1: that kind of stuff. Like, so I do really enjoy that aspect of it. I will say that uh, it is bringing more back. We did talk more about it in high school. We also had a very cool health and gym teacher. I mean, who used to take us for field trips to get smoothies for gym. But anyway, that's not relevant. And yeah, he just let people ask. And I feel like it's important that teachers just like let the students ask whatever they want to ask because then they're actually going to learn. Yeah. One of the questions they asked
0: was, how do you know when you're ready? Like, mm-hmm. Because I feel like that, that is the thing that's on all of their minds, really. Not so much the, I guess, the the condom stuff or all that kind of questions. Especially when, like, that's the only lesson you get every single year, you
1: know what I mean? Like, it's like. I have a question for our listeners, though. Did you have to go through this condom and banana thing? Because I don't know. I've never had to do it. I don't know anyone who's had to do it. So is this actually a thing or is this just something in the media? Yeah, that's an excellent question
0: okay so i want to talk about the yeah let me know i've never done never had this happen also like that involves money so it's probably like depends on what school you went to was there money in the budget for the bananas and etc okay um (laughs) (laughs) all right i want to talk about the i really part of this too is the conversation that nick ends up having with his friends um and i think it's with like imogen and uh Oh, no, sorry. No, Imogen. I'm sorry. Sahar. Imogen's not in the books. I apologize. Sahar and, uh, in the, in the, in the show, I'm sure this will be Imogen because they're, they're friends and his other like rugby lad friends. So they're sitting together. Uh, and I think Sahar is talking about like how, you know, society makes like having sex, like this big deal and there's so much pressure to like do it. And, there's this guy in the class, Marcus, that was like bragging about it. And everyone's like, do you really think he did this? Yes, no. And she's like, I don't know. Even if he did, like there's so much pressure to like do it. He's probably just making people are pressured to say that they've done things they haven't done. And I just love Nick's response where he's very much like, but who cares what everyone else is doing? Like just do what you need to do when you're ready. Like I love that little conversation. Cause like, yeah, there's so much like pressure and prize put on this, like, biological act that's like really insane um and so i love that nick's like just do what makes you happy like when you're ready essentially which is important like because like for some people like like asexuality exists that everybody wants to partake in this or like feels the need to partake in this and that's also okay so i thought this conversation was really cute and really like important to be like do what you want at your own pace too don't let other people pressure you into doing things you're not ready to do
1: feel like they should also mention like yeah some people don't want to and that's okay because i feel like because society is so at least america's society is so sex crazed in the media that everyone thinks like you have to want to do it but it's okay
2: if you don't yeah i feel that big time that was, that was me as a teenager it was just like what if, what if you just don't really care enough to want? like everybody in your class is talking about it and it's just like can we talk about video games? Yeah. That's what We're I children. That's what I wanted to talk about. I'm 16. I just live here. What What's happening? <laughs> that is oh fair.
1: Gosh. At that it's time, so I was great. still like, I don't like men. That's disgusting. <laughs> also, yes. I signed that abstinence thing so fast that, like, have sex with men? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I still stuck to that plan. <laughs> So, Theora has never broke her pledge. I've never broken. her <laughs> I guess it worked, guys. There you go. Yeah.
2: So I was like, that would require me to actually, like, want to be with somebody in my class, which, no. That, too. No. I mean, absolutely not. People in high weird. school are, are assholes. Like, people in my school were all assholes, so I'm just like, oh why? Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's a time when people are just, like, little hormones walking Oof. around, and it's just, like, everybody's terrible. And it's like, who? No. Like... Wait till you're in your 20s to have your shit figured out. And people are more fully formed humans with uh, brains that have developed more.
2: They yeah, are both of you to assume that me in my late 20s still have my shit figured out because I don't.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying you
2: have to have your shit figured out. I'm just you're closer to more it. More of it. More of it's figured out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that this normalizes kids being uh, being kids and not being forced into adulthood or like into certain aspects of adulthood they're not ready to like it's okay to do things at your own pace or not do them if they're not for you so i like that alice normalizes that by having this conversation with the friends
1: mm-hmm.
0: did you have anything else to say before i jump to number four caitlin because i already said number three. Oh
1: shit uh yeah hold on uh i just think that we need more pieces of media like this to normalize yeah. that it takes time to get into the stage of relationship. Not everyone's having one night stands. I mean, at if you 16. want to good <laughs> for you, but like, yeah, especially at 16, it's just not realistic. Um, because I don't think 16 year olds are typically going out to a club and just like, whatever. Uh, and it doesn't matter how fast you go with someone. It just matters that you're both comfortable. And I feel like consent is getting like more uh, relevant in the media, but like, that is one of the most important things and and I feel like there really needs to be a class in school that is just focused on figuring out how you feel about just feelings in general and how to communicate so uh basically I I think just everyone
2: they should the school should make everyone do group therapy. I think that would be a great addition just saying that is so crazy like never. Never in school, like with sex ed, did they ever teach about consent. That was the part that I, like, I had to learn that from, like, my parents, from, like, from family, from peers, never from teachers. It was always, like, you know, the basics of science and abstinence and all that and STIs and everything, but it was never about, you know, make sure that you're cool with it and that they're cool with it first. Before you do anything. And, like,
1: repeatedly make sure. Because, like, there's some things that may be off-limits. And it's okay to withdraw consent. That, I think, is the most important. Is just, like, just because they say okay once, that may not stay like that. So keep checking in. Yeah, And I I love media that, like, checks in with people. Because that is just another way to normalize it.
2: Yeah, I think I learned more from watching Degrassi, The Next Generation, about consent than I ever learned in class. (laughs) And there's the episode of, like, uh, Page with her boyfriend Everybody assumes Oh well she consented Because they're dating It's like no She didn't That's the thing It's the presumption of Oh they're together It's fine No Even if right. it's your spouse That's not how it works That is fair School needs to learn Some things <laughs> School Yeah I love how this The
1: place trying to teach you Needs to learn something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the educational system Needs to be educated
1: Hmm And this isn't America We can only speak To America Yeah This is our school system. It's not just our school. So our school system is dictated by like boards that are run
0: by parents. And so a lot of this is parents feeling like it's not appropriate for my kid to learn this. Therefore, nobody can learn this. So a lot of the reasons why we don't learn these things is because parents put their own feet because they they don't want their kids to know this. And then they won't have the conversation with their kids at home. So they'll be like they shouldn't learn this in school. They need to learn it at home and they don't teach the kids at home so then everybody is robbed of the education that's partially why we don't have these conversations That's partially why when you have quote sex education it is about the clinical health care aspect of it because that's okay but you can't talk emotionally because to have the consent conversation to some parents is endorsing sex for kids and saying that it's okay but they're like i don't want my kids knowing that it's okay like it's not okay i don't think it's okay so you can't teach that so like that's kind of how we end up in this horrible like
1: situation that's why they're That's trying to fair. ban books and shit. Like, yeah, I was about to, be, I was about huh. to say, it's, I'd be very right. surprised if the students in Florida, in states like Florida, have access to Heartstopper Volume Five. If they don't have access right, to exactly. the
2: dictionary, then who knows? Oh my god,
0: I know it's absurd. But yeah, so Maybe like, America
1: needs to like
0: <laughs> f- engage with reality and like. So it's, it is wild that our media, like you said, Caitlin is obsessed with like sexualizing everything. When the society wants to pretend it's like puritanical and repressed and like teens don't have sex, but like the media then you have like Riverdale and it's like, that goes on for a hundred seasons and it's like just high school kids having sex. So it's like, make up your mind. Like either it happens or it doesn't. And they're like, it doesn't happen. And then there's teen pregnancy. It's like. People don't want to live in reality, which I think is part of the problem, which is why I like this book and, and the way Alice really talks about these topics, because like these things happen. Kids have these conversations. Kids have these thoughts and feelings. Kids are trying to figure shit out whether the parent wants them to or not. It's part of growing up, you know, and to ignore it makes it worse versus just like having an age appropriate conversation about it.
1: It's more so, harmful to ignore these questions and pretend like it's not happening. I could not not agree more.
0: So that's why I I enjoy pieces of media that talk about it in an age appropriate way and demonstrate that like yeah kids have these thoughts they need to talk about these things like you know so speaking of that one thing i do love about this whole like uh this is a queer media thing but maybe maybe not but like okay so at one point nick um is trying to confide in somebody who isn't Charlie. And I forget if it's about the, he, he does it multiple times. It's about like the college and then like the, the sex stuff. And he tries to confide in somebody and it's, it's hard when you're like queer, especially when it comes to sex stuff. And like, you're like, I want to talk to somebody about it, but like the only queer person I know who will understand it's the person I'm dating. And it's weird to have that conversation with them. So I like that Alice puts this in here. Cause Again, one of the things she's really... I've mentioned this before in Heartstopper, but one of the things that Alice was really conscious about when she wrote this book was to show that, like, just because you have romantic love and you have that dream partner, it doesn't mean all of your problems are magically solved. Like, having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, having a partner, whatever, it doesn't solve all of your problems. Like, so Nick and Charlie, throughout the course of the book, like, they're fairly codependent, um, which makes the whole university thing a struggle. And she really harped on that this book and so when nick needs somebody to really talk to who's unbiased who isn't charlie um i love that that aspect of it because it's important to have people you can confide in who aren't your partner about certain topics i'm not saying to like don't tell your partner things but like sometimes you need to talk it through with somebody else who so, like who can see this from a different perspective you know because like if, if nick's trying to talk to charlie about like university well charlie's obviously gonna be like well i want you to stay with me so like Nick's like, I need a third opinion, like to like tell me stuff. So I love that on the road trip with Tara and Elle, like, he's able to bond with them and like confide in them. And they're able to give him like an honest opinion. They're like, well, Nick, you look really happy when we're here. Or like, Nick, I don't, is that really what you want? Or like they were able to give their kind of advice. So I love that the the normalization slash showing the importance of these types of like friendship support systems outside of like your romantic support system, I think is so, so important because always the prize is always like your romantic love and like you'll live happily ever after once you have that person. But like, yeah, no, life is full of ups and downs and changes and that kind of stuff. And like having a partner doesn't like make all of that easier. Like, you know, so I think it's important that she shows that like friends and support systems are really important outside of romantic love. I love that she keeps like harping on that point.
2: You know, I love, like, um, kind of just adding on to that, like, the whole, I think you mentioned the Nick trying to find people to come by, it, and especially about trying to have his first time with Charlie, it's just, like, because it's a very unique relationship for him, it's it's a boy with a boy, and he doesn't know anybody else in that situation, because it's a very specific situation he's in, and he's, like, trying to text, like, I think it was Cy he's trying to text one of his rugby friends, and he's, like, well, he's straight, he wouldn't understand, so it's, like, okay, and then, like, I don't remember if it was, like, Tara or somebody's trying to text, and he's, like, well, that's, that's, I mean, they're, she's a lesbian, so it's a different experience for her, too, and I don't even, that's me presuming that she knows anything in her relationship, because, you know, they don't share that kind of thing about their relationship, so it's, and it's not his business if they don't want it to be, so, you know, like, he's not even sure, like, who can I talk to this about, like... I don't know who knows. I don't know who is comfortable like how do I approach this? Especially over text. It's like, uh, yeah. How do I do this? And, that's a really random text to get. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and they and they don't teach queer relationships in sex ed either. Like that's a thing that you know, it's it's already hard enough getting like actual proper sex ed, let alone um for queer people, especially cuz you know, that's another thing. People will say, no, my child can't learn about this because, you know, the homophobia right. that's included in that. So it's, it's, it's tough all year round. All, all around. It's tough. So
0: Yeah, it is a super awkward position to be. In. I'm surprised that Nick didn't start Googling stuff the way he was like, <laughs> Am I gay? Like he didn't get on a BuzzFeed quiz or anything. Cause yeah. this is it, like that's the next step, right? When you like you really don't know what to do, then you go to the internet and that's a cesspool of like mixed bag information. So yeah you're right it's 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 as a as a queer person like when you're the minority like in your friend group it makes it even harder because you're like my experience is not going to be your experience so yeah i was definitely in this situation i was like i cannot ask any of my friends this because they're all straight they're not gonna know yeah so i was like i guess i'm just (laughs) gonna figure this out on my own and it is a shitty position to be in for sure like I felt Nick in this scene. Even when you have friends, like it's, sometimes it's like you're still alone with with those thoughts and like there is no outlet for it. It's just like,
2: cool. Yeah. People can listen, absolutely, but it's still like, it's another thing for somebody to fully empathize and yeah. understand. And they can try their best, but sometimes it's still tough. So Yeah. I think, actually, I'm trying to think about it, but I think um, at some point, not in the actual novel itself, but I think in the Q&A that just came out recently... Alice even, like, showed Nick has a Google history. I think, I, if I remember right, I think that was actually one of the questions, was, what was Nick's Google history? And she, like, posted the list, and he's just like, and Nick's character comes up, and he's like, okay, that we're done with that. Moving on. It's <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. That's freaking adorable. It's such an in-character thing for him.
1: <laughs> I feel like really. something in Nick's history would be like, how to surprise your boyfriend with the cutest date? <laughs> he would he, he would. would he would 100 <laughs> he would make the buzzfeed quiz for that okay
0: so speaking of like support systems let's talk about the then there's the parent aspect of it so the scene that i really love was of course olivia coleman giving nick the sex talk <laughs> like unprompted and she's just like i support you and it's basically just it like the red white and royal blue scene she's like make sure you're doing all these things and like I'm here for you, and it's fine. It's totally normal. Like, I understand it's going to be different for you. And he's just embarrassed AF. But, like, it's good to have a supportive parent like that. It is weird to talk about it with your parent 100 million percent. But, like, I love how she's just, like, I get what this is going to be like for you. I know it's going to happen. I'm not ignoring this. But, like, no, just be safe. Do all the things. Like, it was very sweet and cute, and I love it.
1: Olivia Coleman does everything unprompted. I know, <laughs> at the right times. I
2: Olivia Coleman is a treasure. She is. She even offers to buy him the condom. She's like, I can, I can help you, buddy. I can, Stop and he's just time. like, Mom, I can buy my own things. It's fine. And she's like, Okay, I'm just offering. Like, she's trying to be that safe space for him. It's amazing. Yes. So, Mom but of the then
1: year. she apologizes for intruding. Yeah. Like, I don't know this i just want to cry because everything olivia coleman does again we say olivia coleman because we forget that her character's sarah, name is sarah because her name's sarah, it's yeah. olivia coleman um <laughs> but She's everything else, of the year always olivia coleman's amazing and i just love her and seeing like in the show especially just like the emotions oh, i love her
2: I can't wait for scene. this scene yeah. in the show. <laughs> I can I really need this wait for this. <laughs> her, her and Kit Connor doing this scene are gonna be priceless. Oh my surprise. So good. <sighs> right. I can't
0: wait. This needs I, to happen. I can't if wait.
1: it's not, they need hat. They definitely need another
2: season just so it can happen. Right. Alice wants four seasons, so manifesting. I think they all do. I think they all want four seasons, so it's like, please. I like to think that they're just not telling us yet, but maybe I'm just trying to manifest that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that just so they can
0: like really focus season three on the mental health stuff. Cause yeah. I feel like that's its own
1: season. Ugh. It definitely is because like, I think volume four tackled that mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. And yeah. I think, especially with that topic, it really needs its own time. It can't be mixed uh, right. in with the sex.
0: You can't sex rush it. Out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I was like, how are they going to combine these two things? Like, I really hope that there is a fourth season so they can pace that
1: mental health stuff really well for Charlie. Yeah, I hope they don't feel like they need to rush it because yeah, it was they so haven't soon. rushed the other stuff and it's just, it, it's good to let it breathe. Yeah. yeah. It's just
0: such a big part of Charlie, you know, and it does, cha- like, once that's kind of dealt with and he goes to the therapy, it does change him going forward. So I agree. I hope it's, properly
1: to like out a respect for Charlie you know and then also I know we'll talk about it later but the band scene like where he finally starts getting a little more confidence to do things that can't be in the same season because we got to get yeah. past yeah all of that great I feel like they're gonna have to like mix things up from the the book a little
0: bit, in terms of, like, timeline, the way they kind of did in the prior seasons, but...
2: I'm just thinking, because there's not even, like, sixth book, the end of the series isn't even out yet, so, like, to wrap it up with season 3 we'd kind of just be, like, there's, there's, like, I know Alice has, it like, probably all, the concept is there, but it's, like, right, how do you wrap it up in a little bow with this season, like, with everything going on, like Charlie hasn't even said the three words yet in in the show. So no, I know we have to
1: get not yet. <laughs> yeah, we have to get to that and the mental health. Stuff. That's the halfway yeah. season three. Basically, we need five seasons at least.
0: Anyway, <laughs> one for each one for each novel. That'd be yeah. nice for
1: us. <laughs> I mean, that'd be ideal. And
0: then we get the epilogue, yeah. <laughs> which we'll talk about at the end. Her Q and A that was into the future, I know. Okay, but let's finish our stuff for volume five first. Okay, so speaking of mental health, in this this book, um, uh, Charlie's already kind of passed, not passed, but he's dealt with the acuity of his eating disorder stuff. And now we're kind of into like a body image uh, dealing with the ongoing, and dealing with the ongoing mental health issues past like acute therapy and things like that. And so because we're transitioning into like them having sex for the first time, charlie's fear that's manifesting that kind of like is making him hesitate comes with his body image issues specifically being like i guess like first shirtless in front of nick because nick's a rugby player so like charlie's like wow first of all that's intimidating you're like you're in crazy good shape i'm like a little twig and then he has like the mental block of like oh what if he thinks i'm disgusting and and it comes i like the way alice uh draws it in the the graphic novel where they're kind of like having a heated kiss and then like you start seeing like the darkness of charlie's thoughts in these frames and mm-hmm. it just like escalates like as nick's like tugging at his shirt so i love i love i love the way she she wrote it and it just poor charlie like it poor charlie like to have that on your mind when you're like having a happy moment is just it's got to be the worst you know
2: it's definitely something like it's also it's great because it shows like Mental health just doesn't doesn't just get fixed like the yes. fact that he's he's still working on it He's still like he even says like I think later on in the book he's like I know I'm still dealing with mating disorder You know, I'm still dealing with um, I'm still having to deal with therapy. It's like I'm not just perfect I'm not just better all of a sudden because that's not how mental illness works ever some people Deal with the mental illness their entire lives like it doesn't just go away um, you learn to manage it, you learn to kind of live with it and feel okay, but, you know, it doesn't just go away that easily. Um, I think my favorite thing that I love that Alice, the attention to detail that they have is with Charlie's scars, like, yes, he, like, at the very beginning, like, throughout the beginning of the book, like, you see him covering his arm, like, when he's, like, taking your shirt off to change, he's covering his arm, and you never actually see it. And then, like, throughout the books, he slowly becomes more comfortable. At first, it's an accident that Nick sees it on, like, their FaceTime call. And then when Nick... I guess it's just because Nick doesn't really react. He's kind of just like, oh, okay. Um, Charlie, over time, becomes more comfortable and feels safer with Nick. And then at the very end, you see, like, the scars are fully revealed. And it's like, nothing changes. Nick, you know, he's he just grabs him and he kisses him. And that's it. Like... It's just like, I almost cried reading that part. I was just like, he loves him so much. (laughs) Charlie, you deserve this. You need to believe you deserve this because you deserve the world, boy. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He came so far. He's come so far. I'm so proud of my boy, Charlie. We took it
0: all. We brought them to our land. (laughs) An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth... We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not
1: see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: (laughs) I also just love the symbolism of that, too. Because, yeah, they're physical scars, but it's also, like, showing, like, you know, like, there can be invisible scars. Like, the mental scars that, that... Charlie's always gonna carry from his like trauma, you know, f- from everything we've seen from Charlie from like the bullying to like the eating disorder and all-, all of that escalation. A lot of those are like, invisible scars internal that Nick can't see. So I like the symbolism of like Nick sees all of Charlie the good, the bad and everything and he still loves him no matter what. And like you said, the important thing is that like that shows Charlie that he's worth loving and he can like fully love himself, like the good, the bad and everything in between. So I think that's a really good lesson and it's depicted very subtly by Alice, but like, yeah, I, I love that for Charlie. Cause Charlie des- deserves everything and he feels like he does not And that's part of like his mental block. So I love that Nick is able to kind of show him like you're worth loving, like love yourself, like give yourself a break kind of thing. Yeah. You're enough kind of thing.
2: Even, like, the at the very end when they're actually finally being intimate, um, when they're having, like, their actual first time, there's even, like, for a while, when Charlie is finally, like, taking his shirt off in front of or has Nick take his shirt off, there's even, like, those little dots around him, but they're a little bit lighter. And then as soon as Nick grabs his face and kisses him, it goes away, like, it turns into this light in the background, it's just like, uh, Alice, the attention to details, man. And, like, you kind of see it throughout. Like, he's still feeling a little anxious. And that's, you know, that's normal, I think. Like, that's that's to be expected. Like, to have those nerves. But it's still, like, you can tell he's slowly feeling safer. And I I love that attention to details with her illustrations. Just, ugh. It's all, it's so, it is so subtle. But it's, like, it tells you a lot of what's going on in their head. So good. I love that. I love that you <laughs> pointed
0: that out. It's, that's yeah, yeah it's so true. Because, like, again, it reinforces, like, Charlie's always going to have these thoughts. It's more about overcoming them when he feels safe and comfortable mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it is yeah. important. I love it. Okay. Something else that I love and you've, we've kind of talked, talked about it a little bit. I love that they also insert Charlie having a conversation with his therapist. So like he has like kind of like the same therapist, I guess, from like volume four mm-hmm. onward. Um, so it helps normalize going to therapy and uh, puts this kind of like, into perspective for people that like we've mentioned earlier, like just because like, again, you have a boyfriend and you like went through the acute stage of therapy. It doesn't mean you're cured forever. Like, you know, continuing to have these conversations and work through things as time goes on is also important. So I like the, the normalization of that as well.
1: I love that they had Charlie. Well, Alice had Charlie actually go into the hospital because that is definitely heavily stigmatized, especially in the media. You get it called the loony bin, like the padded room, uh, mental institution. Which I actually use because I like to cope with things with humor. That gets me in trouble sometimes. I got in trouble for it in the hospital. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. I'm as people listening. If this is not your first time, you know that I'm very open on this podcast. Sometimes a little too much, but. People need to know that it's okay if you need the extra help. And this that's why I'm so glad that they had Charlie go into the hospital. And it wasn't, like, a very short time. Like, he was there for, like, I think seven weeks. Seven or eight weeks. Uh, about that. Because I don't think it was months. Anyway. But it's very accurate uh, when Charlie was upset when he got out. Because everyone... He said that, like, everyone was treading eggshells around him. And this is just completely accurate because people feel so scared to like leave you alone for like a minute when you like first get out and it's it's a lot on you as well because then you're like not allowed to be alone you feel like you're more broken than when you started because now everybody knows that there's like dark thoughts in your head and all you're trying to do is heal and move on but Luckily, it does go, gets better, but he has a great guy in his life to make him, remind him how amazing he is. Yeah, I like the line that Charlie has when he's
0: talking to Nick, uh, where he's like, I'm not fragile. I love that line so much, because you're right, people, like, don't know how to handle that, or, like, how to, I'm not always, like, being like people want to be supportive but they don't know how so like it comes off as like you know they don't want to trigger that person so then to the person they're like well you're treating me different you're treating me like I'm broken but it's like I'm just I don't know how to be supportive in this situation when it's it's internal like I can't see how you're feeling necessarily I can't see what you need so like it's it's hard um, unless you like really know the person extremely well, which is what makes Nick really eff- effective because he was always, since the beginning, very super observant about Charlie and constantly learning things about him. So Nick is very good at being in this situation. The other person in Charlie's life who's actually really good at this is, I mean, not as good as Nick, but good is Tori. Tori's is the other one who like can read Charlie very well. Um but she's like doesn't always take action when she should she's a little avoidant as well and like beats herself up about that later in other volumes but it's it's hard um it can be really hard to do it so you you can see why like charlie's parents are like not great especially his mom who's like not observant at all when it comes to charlie because she has her own trauma but like you know um it's hard it's hard for everybody and you know like you said caitlin a lot in a lot of you know up until recently really like this has been a stigmatized thing people don't talk about this they just write you off as crazy or like whatever i don't mean to use derogatory language but just like you know and so nobody really knows how to be a support system because we're we're not taught that this is even okay you know so
1: i do like that yeah i know i just wanted to mention for like listeners if anybody is being a support system for someone the best thing you can do is just ask that person what they need And whatever their response is, listen to that. Don't read into it. Be like, oh, they're saying this, but they mean that. If they say they don't need anything or they want space, leave them alone. Because that's what they want. And if for some reason it's not and like they are just saying it, they will learn to say, okay, I need this from you. So that's the best way to do it is just ask the person, don't walk on eggshells, don't pretend like you know what they need.
0: The exception to that is if you're Mon and Cap the series and you're dating Sam. <laughs> she wants the opposite. <laughs> Go watch uh Go the- Cap- this- <laughs> this- <laughs> That's great. Speaking of people who need therapy, that everyone on that show.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> usually if the people went just, for therapy already and was in the hospital, they will know to communicate more what they need (laughs) (laughs) for sure all right um
0: okay there's another conversation today just to harp on this again um there's a conversation that nick and charlie have uh where i forget where charlie's kind of like in his head with like the mental health stuff and basically like nick is there and like supporting him But Alice again is like kind of harping on the fact that like Nick can't magically solve Charlie's problems. Because so often in media, like if a character is struggling with something internal, like the partner will show up and just magically everything is fine. Again, that's not real life. That's like, the, I think Disney has done more damage um, than helpful when it comes to this because we're always like, you, you're you getting married. Your problems are magically solved. <laughs> the end. And it's like, no, no, no. Life keeps going after that point. Oh, it's not marriage,
1: that'll just create way more problems. Or
0: like, you kiss the person you love, you're dating, the end. Everything's happy. And it's like, no, like, problems still happen. And so like, while Nick is there to support Charlie through this, like you're saying, Caitlin, Nick, Nick being there doesn't magically solve Charlie's problem it doesn't magically make all the mental health stuff go away and so sometimes like Charlie does have to deal with this stuff like internally and Nick can just hold his hand while it's happening which is basically what this frame is showing and like sometimes that's okay and that's enough and it sucks being in Nick's position where you're like watching your partner struggle and you you don't want them to but like sometimes you that's part of that process and it's just it's uncomfortable and it's it takes time and it's not like a happy moment, but it's like, it's part of life. And it's kind of like part of being there for like the good, the bad and everything in between kind of thing. So I like, I like that she shows that even with them, with like young adults, with children, cause like it's, it everybody goes through these things. And it, again, it just, it like helps normalize it by having this conversation with the two of them. So I really, I like that she puts things like that in there.
2: Charlie just wants to be a teenager. Like he just yeah. he wants to be able to live his life as a teenager and It's already, he's already gotten thrown a curveball with his mental health. So it's like, he just wants to be able to live his life.
0: Yeah. And I like that she has Charlie's struggle in there too, because it goes to show that, like, not everybody's teenage experience is going to be the same. And that's okay too, you know?
1: You're not alone, no matter how much you think you are.
0: Exactly. All right. Speaking of not alone, then we get to Nick's uni decision. (laughs) All right because he has to kind of figure this out on his own and then like he kind of has friends that help him with this. I like the beginning, I like this, the fact that this is in here period because it, it depicts a huge thing that, that kids go through when you're transitioning out of high school slash into like university, college, wherever you live kind of thing, or just into the workforce where like at the cusp of that graduation from the, from like primary school basically, all of the primary schools, you have to figure out your entire life before you're legally even an adult, which is a lot. Okay. That in itself is just a lot.
1: I feel like we should all have to go into places undecided for the first year and then make a choice. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It just, it's a lot. And so, um, what I love about Nick's so any journey that's going through that is really important because it's, like, impossible to figure that out. And sometimes you, you can't, and, like, so you end up, like, taking non-traditional paths or, like, stumbling through college or, like, whatever. What I like about Nick's journey that I thought was interesting and unique to Nick is that nick mentions that his journey before that where he had to figure out he was bisexual actually helped him figure out more about himself than like anything else he's been through up until that point point. and he admits in that that like it's it, this is all a process and he still doesn't have any all the answers which yes you're a teenager of course not <laughs> and i think that's important for young adults or adults really of any age to to hear like it's okay not to know everything about yourself like it, even like knowing yourself is a process that takes many, many years. And sometimes you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you're like in a situation and you're like, wow, okay, that's how I react to this. Or wow, okay, I don't like this. Or wow, I do like this. Like, it's all part of the journey of life. And so I think it's important in the, the context of like these young kids getting ready to like move on to the next phase in life to like hear that, like, it's okay not to know these things about yourself yet. Like you can just do the best you can, you know? So and then Nick also has the added pressure of like leaving Charlie because like they are codependent and Charlie has that whole ment- the mental health stuff that he's still dealing through and so Nick has this element of like I don't want to be away from Charlie when I make uh, so I want to stay close to him so that makes the decision for me and also he has that element I think of a little bit of guilt of being like well if I leave Charlie what if that makes him upset and something bad happens to him and then it's my fault and, th- and then I can't be there and So it's it's, it's hard to be Nick, it's hard to be like a young adult figuring that out. And then to also be tethered to a partner that brings a lot of like baggage. Not Charlie's fault, but I'm just saying that like Nick also has to consider, basically, um, makes his decision even, even harder and totally understandable that he is his first instinct as Nick, who's like the overprotective boyfriend to be like, I'm staying with you. Like, that makes the decision
1: for me. There's something I also want to point out, and I feel like this whole episode is just going to be me being like, oh, Alice just fixed all the issues with other media. But something that really annoys me is that when you have like this one year age gap between people, so the, the older person in the couple is going to go away to university and they're like, oh, we have to break up because I'm going to a whole different school, like, Just showing that they could still be together. I mean, obviously we don't see it yet because he didn't leave, but just knowing that they weren't like, oh, we have to break up. That's not what this is about. This was like, do I want to be away from you? And like, obviously it's hard, but they didn't immediately go to that. It was more, I want to be with you. Uh, Which brings us to Nick visiting Leeds. oh my god this was so <laughs> fucking
0: cute the best part so like okay i like the way she draws the colleges so you could get nick's perspective so when he's at like the i forgot what it's called the the university closer to carly it's Ken. like yeah thank you it's just like dreary <laughs> and like a cookie cutter building and he's like it's mm, all right about this. Uh, he's like, uh, I don't know. And then when he gets to lead, it's it leads, It's very like charming looking and like inviting. And I think what seals the deal is when he meets the rugby team and there's like queer rugby players and Nick, I think, sees himself. He's like, that could be me. People like me are already here. Like, and this is why representation is so important because Nick sees himself on that team because people like him are already there. And I think that's when he's like,
1: I love this place.
0: <laughs>
2: Literally has that vision <laughs> of like himself. Is the I Unicorn
1: voice? <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, go like this. No, both. Both. Both? Yeah. Oh, is it not going to do it? I don't know when it does that one. It likes <laughs> this one more, so. I don't know.
0: My webcam is weird. Thanks, Apple.
1: <laughs> I refuse to learn the actual signs. <laughs> they just have randomly. I know them, so that's why I was trying to get you to do something, but it wouldn't work. So, uh, anyway. Um, th- this this whole scene was just so cute. It was. Uh, Nick is so used to his group of queers, but this meeting was out in the real world, yes. and it probably made him feel a sense of safety. And he could literally see himself there because it wasn't his like group because i feel like he brought like all the queers in their school is like in one group together literally <laughs> but this they is are out, the <laughs> out in the other world that's not in their little bubble and especially to be leaving your safety net that he's known and not to mention olivia coleman i know like, <laughs> that's, gonna be hard. that's gonna
0: be the hardest part
1: <laughs> like for the first time this encounter had to have made him feel like this feels right and then we also get the gay leaves. <laughs> we do! Oh my god, that means love. <laughs> this is the latest first episode with us,
2: as you know, the gay so leaves. I don't I love know it. if you're familiar with the gay leaves. I'm, I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> leaves are a universal language. They are a love language In now. media. It hi, means hi, queer stuff. Hi, hi is a love language now. Saying hi, it's a love language now. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. That's true. Yeah.
2: The fact that Nick literally like has that vision of himself on that team like right after that, it's like that just tells you everything you need to know. Cause it's like that was me finding my university. I was like, Yeah, I could see myself here. Yep. There you go.
1: <laughs> Something just clicks when you visit a university and you're mm-hmm. like, this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And it's just it could be from the weirdest reasons. I, I turned down a full ride somewhere else to pay way more money <laughs> to go to the university I went to. But you know when you know, and Nick knows. He doesn't yeah. want to admit it yet, but he knows. Oh, he knows. Yeah.
0: You know who else knows? L. I like <laughs> yes. that we get L, and we get the conversation <laughs> of basically like L. Um. I, so we're post kind of like L making her decision. Oh, mm. actually no, she's trying to figure out where she's going to uni- university or, yeah, university for her. And basically, we get the conversation with like Nick and Tara and all of them, and L is basically like listen, Nick, I'm with Tao. We've decided to do long distance by we, I mean I because I want to go to the school that I want to go to because this is my future. Like, love him and all that, but this, you know, going to university and higher education is about me. It's not about him. So I like that um, we get more of, like, Elle standing up for herself in this regard and, like, what she wants for her future. There's glimpses of it in the show. We've talked about that in the past, but, like, it's very outright and explicit in this volume in particular. And so I like when she gives this pep talk to Nick because by using herself, she's kind of like encouraging Nick to be like, Nick, really think about yourself in this scenario. Cause I feel like up till now you've been thinking mostly about Charlie and like being there for Charlie and like clinging to your codependence with Charlie, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, think about just you for a second in order to fully make this decision i think that's important too because if you make decisions based on another person and take yourself out of the equation and don't really think about it like if it doesn't really match what you want at the end of the day you're gonna end up resenting that person um because i quote they ruined your life because i did this for you and now i'm unhappy and so like it ultimately could end badly if nick just thinks about charlie in this scenario and doesn't really think about what he wants and what he feels is best for him. So I like that we have Elle being the one that like really hits that home by like comparing it to her situation with Tao.
2: Yeah. It's very in character for Elle too. Having gone through her transition and everything, like having to stand up for herself through all of that, like it's very in character saying, Nope, I'm, I'm putting myself first. Cause yeah, I got to think about myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you can almost say like when Nick was saying, Oh, my Journey being bise- of bisexuality, and coming to terms with that helped me figure out myself. You could say the same about, oh, like you're yeah. saying, like her transition really taught her about herself and what she wants and needs. And so what I'm hearing is that queer people are pretty resilient for having gone through these, like, who am I things, pretty young, and like <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what Alice is trying to say.
2: Some of us know Very ourselves young. better than than some some uh, straight people do.
0: We're forced to reflect yeah. <laughs> in
2: different ways, you know. Yeah, and we kind of have to in like. Our society with discrimination and homophobia still and everything, like, we have to be able to have that foundation to stand up for ourselves and really, like, confidently say, no, this is me, regardless of what you say. So, we're pretty tough. <laughs> I overanalyze
1: everything. Exactly. <laughs> this podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but very well said. I absolutely love that. <laughs> you know, right, and- go. Are we skip are we jumping ahead now? Oh no, I was gonna go to head boy unless you wanted to. Yeah, jump, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, no, okay. no, that's what. Go ahead. Alright, so
0: something I didn't see coming but should have because okay. I read the Nick and Charlie novella was was the head boy thing. So um, but it's the so in by the time you get to the Nick and Charlie novella, Charlie is the head boy. Spoiler, so he wins. Um but I like that this, <laughs> is, the or- I like that this is the origin story of how he gets there and it's really fucking cute so mr farouk is the one of all people who recommends charlie as the head boy and the reason is like it's basically to heal his inner child and i thought this was so cute because he's like you know not only would you be great at this because you're you charlie like for me personally like if i was you know in a young younger than you and i had a head boy who was like out and queer and like super resilient and like Kate and like you know survived bullying and is fighting back against it like that would have meant everything to me and made me a stronger person basically so like i love the the queer support with queers and like again that representation of just having a head boy who's like like you and you can see yourself in like and has that perspective can ultimately make change to make it a better environment i just i love that mr farouk was like the one who who encouraged charlie to do this and recommend it it was very cute i hope we get this scene because too. i think this yeah. is gonna
1: be really cute and i feel like ben i think is his name Whoop. and i think he should be just like in the corner in the background be like
2: <laughs> ben's, ben's actually not gonna be in season three like spoiler for everybody if they haven't been following. oh wait
1: not ben no you mean the other teacher the art oh teacher. you mean uh, mr Jai. Nathan. Yes.
2: No, sorry. That's. Nathan. Yeah, Nathan. Nathan. Nathan,
1: Nathan, oh my god. I'm so, like, yeah, that was I a hope terrible... Ben's not
2: there. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I knew he Ben's be. not
1: going to but I don't know why I thought that that was his name. I'm sorry. Nathan. I don't yeah. do well with name.
0: Mr. Ajay, the I art teacher. Don't... That's why oh. we're we're a team. Okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll i say, I am I am the biggest heartstopper nerd. Like, I'm, all of my friends think I'm very obnoxious about, it. I mean, they won't say it, but I know it's true. But <laughs> any anything about who's this character? I probably know, cause that's that was my entire personality for six months. So well, I'm glad you're here because we need that. And I hope you do Heartstopper season three with us. Yes. I'm. Oh, I mean, if you want to see a crying mess, because that's going to be me in season three. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is we need to do reaction videos with you. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs>
0: Let us know in
1: the comments if that's what you want us to do.
0: Do you want us We're to probably just cry? Do it anyway,
2: but, like, let us know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be in my feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, with Mr. Farouk especially, because I think he said he didn't realize he was gay till he was in his 20s, and so, like... Yeah. And I wonder if part of that was because he didn't have the rep when he was in high school, so... That that even just, like, adds on to the... He really sees himself in Charlie, and it's so sweet. <laughs> yeah for
0: sure like I wonder if he's like wow that could have been me if I had the courage to come out that was maybe that's what he was afraid of and why he like dismissed things for so long yeah I know Farouk is is an interesting character and like so tragic so I like that it was him and not Nathan because like you figured it would have been Nathan because Nathan has always been encouraging Charlie he's always been Charlie's safe space so I love that it doesn't come from him and it actually comes from Mr. Farouk for this reason it makes it really special
1: I love Nathan and Farouk they're so cute Yes. I don't know Farouk's first name. Is Farouk his first name? Yusuf. Yusuf's his first name. Yusuf. But I love their
2: relationship in general. I can't wait to see more of them. I was so happy they included them in season two. I was like... I knew they would partially, but I was so happy when they did their whole Paris story. I was so happy. That's so cute! (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: um, Something else that isn't cute it's not cute but very important (laughs) yeah i I didn't know how to transition to this (laughs) yeah this is the best i could do uh was just getting to know more about charlie's mom and why she is the way she is
0: yeah like i always suspected there was trauma there with the mom and uh you know we've talked about this before i'm like i'm pretty sure she's traumatized and that's why she's doing these things so i'm glad they gave us context to her behavior towards charlie to me i thought that was so important because i feel like in ya in this kind of space it's easy to write off the parents and be like they're evil or yeah. they don't care or like because we are seeing the story from the child's point of view and so we're limited in what we know because children do not know their parents like you can't you can't know the 30 40 plus year of history about your parents your parent you know what your parents show you that's it mm-hmm. and Karen is not showing you their trauma, you're not going to understand them. So I love that. This isn't an excuse for Charlie's mom's behavior, but to me, it helps explain why she does the thing that she does and why it's so hard for her to talk to Charlie and really like relate to him because like her mother was essentially super, abu- she lives in a base, raised in an abusive household where she couldn't. To have conversations with her mother she couldn't like say how she felt like she would get like physically abused or like yelled at and stuff and so it's, it's hard for her to like talk to charlie she you know she's raised in a household that's very much like i'm the parent you respect me what i say goes you shouldn't be arguing back to me so then when charlie mm-hmm. tries to like express his opinions i i think she doesn't know what to do with that and shuts down or like gets angry you know because she was never given that as a kid
1: i you agree know? that It's not an excuse, but I do love that it gives us a reason and humanizes her because I am very face value with the character. So I did not like her, and I do like that we get to know more about her. But I also love how supportive Charlie's dad is with her, and he knows exactly what she is feeling like when it happens. So that must mean, like, they have a bunch of conversations about this. He knows exactly how this trauma affects her. And then when Charlie, uh, I believe he says that he hates her and, like, storms out, um, like, Charlie's dad turns to his mom Mm -hmm. and he says,
2: uh, should we talk about what what
1: just happened? And... Like, and this happens multiple times, that he just knows that it affects her, and he's like, all right, let's go talk about it. I'm mm-hmm. here for you. And I, I just think that's really cute.
2: i say, I don't know if, if you guys haven't uh, seen it, but there is a story that Alice wrote a long time ago. Um, it's, like, kind of a short story of how Charlie's parents met, and it kind of kind of no. goes more into depth. I think it's on, like, her Tumblr, or it's Tapas or something, I'm not entirely sure, but I just, I stumbled across it, like, months ago. And it's actually, like, the story of how they met and how it kind of goes a little more into depth. Not so much about their backstories, but she, she kind of talks about her family a little bit and how she doesn't particularly like seeing her family. And, like, she's on vacation. I think I think it's to Spain. She meets, like, his family. And it's, like, it's a whole thing. And it's such a cute little story. And it Aww. really it really goes more in depth about their backstory and them falling in love. So... <laughs> Oh my god,
0: I have to go find that and read that. That's
2: really, really sweet. It's really cute. I would recommend. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, because you you notice that a lot of like, I think in like this winter and stuff, they're Mm -hmm. like, they're the families are coming to visit. And there's definitely like a bias from the kids towards like the dad's family versus like the mom's family. Like you can tell there's a lot of tension there and they're not really close. So that helps contextualize that as well. Yeah, that's a good one um something i do want to note about this like the trauma is that the irony of it all is that while charlie resents his mom because she's not good at handling his like wants and needs when it comes to like him struggling the irony is that charlie and his mom handle trauma in similar ways they're actually they actually have more in common than they do differences because they both shut down like they both do the same thing they hide uh with their feelings they internalize things and then they lash out when it's too much like they both react the same way to like trauma and like bottling up their feelings so i wonder if that's also partially why they have such a strained relationship like you know when you have you're with somebody who's too similar to you like you can't it's almost like you can't relate you need somebody who's like on the opposite spectrum which is why like nick and charlie work so well and like charlie's mom and dad work so well because the dad is more like nick and so like they're able to like comfort that person versus like it's almost like with charlie and his mom like they react the same way so they're like lashing at each other except and one person is not comforting the other so i think that also partially strains them because they're very similar and both like traumatized people who are like dealing with that trauma you know
1: yes that's i mean it's
0: fair as well Okay, so now we can transition
1: out of the trauma and talk about the queerness of it all. So We talked about a lot of the queerness, but there's something we really need to talk about.
0: Yes, which is Alice revisited Tori. And so we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but when she wrote Solitaire, she wrote it when she was like a teenager. And it was before Alice realized she was asexual. So like when she re-released the book recently recently ish she did like a q a in the back of the book it was basically like they asked her the whoever was interviewing asked her about tori and she's like well when i was writing this i didn't know anything about myself but now that i'm looking back at tori i'm like oh she's very clearly asexually coded because like <laughs> i i was like writing her from my perspective a little bit and that says a lot about me and like so I love that she like canonized it in this book. And so she officially like came out as asexual and it was just the best. And I'm so happy she did it and happy for Tori. I love her so much. It's so cute. It's so cute. And she does it to Charlie. Like I like when they're on the the Ferris wheel and, and she's like, um, I think she said something like I- I'm in a queer relationship too. Or whatever. She's like, no in our house is straight. Yeah.
2: He's like, what? Pedro Pascal, have you seen it? Yeah, Michael goes off about Pedro Pascal. Oh my god, like, with Michael,
0: <laughs> Michael's pansexual. Yeah, and so, oh my god, she's like, I'm surprised you didn't figure that out. And they cut to the montage of Michael being like, yeah, the pan- even
2: Pedro the Pascal. even the gay guy was like, the gaydar is just not there, even for Charlie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love it. she's that. like, I'm in a queer relationship. I'm surprised you haven't realized that. you of all people. <laughs> That's what happens.
2: He's just like, oh. Oh, oops. <laughs> I love so Michael but in but Solitaire.
1: I love that <laughs> uh, Charlie admits, and he says, I don't actually know much about sexual asexuality. Yeah. And Tori just looks so, ups- like, not, th- I guess dejected would be the word. But she says, yeah, you and most of the world, which, yes, she's completely right. And which is why we need this to learn more, because I definitely need to learn a lot more. And we, we do have uh, at least another book coming up that we're going to read that will help yeah. us understand a little more.
0: Yeah, and I do love that, like, the crux of what she's upset about is because, like, okay, so her and Michael have a very intense friendship in solitaire Mm -hmm. and then i guess it kind of progresses into this is more than a friendship but tori's basically like well you know i don't want to do anything physical i guess they they have and she's like i'm not into it we tried i just it's not for me i like i confirmed it and i'm afraid that like over time like he says that he's fine with that now but like eventually he's gonna be like no i want to do this and like we'll break up with me but Charlie's like, but you're not even like giving him a chance. Like, you know, you're just like shutting this down before it can go any further. So I like that they're having this conversation of like, what it's like to be in like, a, like a, it's, it's possible to be romantic with somebody without like having sex with them. And that's okay. And like, so that's what Tori wants. But she's got that very real fear of like, yeah, that's where we're at now. But what about later? Like, will that always be okay? Because like that, I that's who I am. What if we're not compatible going forward in that way? And that's... I can't even imagine what that's like to have to like really consider like this one thing you don't want could be the thing that like robs you of the person you're in love with basically like that's
1: yeah what a fear you know yeah and then she says I know exactly what he's gonna say he's gonna say that he's fine with it and then 20 years
2: it'll be the reason right yeah and Charlie even being like trying to work towards sex with Nick it's like well he even said he wasn't ready and I said well okay if you don't ever want to have sex then that's fine and he's like because I love him and yeah that's not that's not the case for everybody but that's how I feel about Nick and she's like huh <laughs> so kind of his perspective even people who are active and wanting to have sex like for them, not everybody, it's a priority. Not everybody, it's a defining factor. Even for people who are sex positive, it's not a defining factor of a relationship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really, really good point. It almost reminds you, like, for people who can't relate to what that means, it's like the, do you want kids or not thing. When you're, like, 16, everybody's like, no, I don't want kids. And then you turn 25, and then one partner's like, well, I want kids now. And the other one's like, well, I told you from the beginning, I don't want kids. And then, now they break up,
2: which was the plot of Supergirl. <laughs> Oops.
0: <laughs> Although, they never had the conversation until they were engaged, which was stupid. But anyway, that's another story.
1: Yeah, that, that would definitely be a conversation before you get engaged. Uh, you would think. Yeah. At least before you start planning the wedding.
2: <laughs> yeah, just, just saying. Of, that's kind of a defining factor in your future together, so. Yeah. Oof.
0: But, like, also, like, it's okay to change your mind. Like, I had this happen in, like, real life, too. Like, one of my wife's friends basically, like, was married and then very recently was, like, oh, I want kids. And, like, the husband's, like, I don't. I've never wanted kids. We've talked about this before. And they ended up getting divorced. Um because she's like, I want kids. Like I, I didn't realize that about myself till now. And it's okay to change. Like that's nobody's fault. That's just, that is part of life. Like things change as, as stuff go on. And what's important is like being your own advocate and deciding what you really want. And like, if it's worth it, it's worth it. Like it's your life, you know? So it's, it's also okay to change your mind. So like Tori's fear is very real and that could very well happen, but is it worth like having the experience with michael while you can or just never having it and always wondering what if and potentially ruining
1: that friendship people you know, these, are constantly it's just what do you want? yeah exactly they're never going to be the same that like especially like the people who meet as teens and like think they're going to be together forever you're going to continue to grow and that's why i feel like divorce really shouldn't be so stigmatized because you know it's okay if you're unhappy you don't stay in an unhappy relationship Maybe we should just stop getting married in
2: general. You would think. (laughs) People getting married in, like, their 30s now, and they last their whole lives. People getting married older needs to be more normalized. I'm glad it's getting getting more normalized, but, like, when you hit your 20s, you still get the grandparents asking, What are you getting married? Well, I need to partner first before I even think about marriage. Hold on. Slow down. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) Everything is expected to happen when you're in your 20s.
1: You're supposed to, like, have your life figured out, have... Okay, so for, like, the normal heteronormative, I believe that's the word. Heteronormative, yeah. You're supposed to have, get married, have kids, own a house, (laughs) have a stable job that you're gonna stay at forever, and just have everything figured out and be happy. Yeah. That's what you're expected in your 20s. And that's not
2: realistic. Not anymore. One, you don't yeah. live in that, that world. world. Literally, my best friend, she's been with her now husband. They started dating in sophomore year of high school. And, like, from Damn. the moment that they were, I don't know, probably, like, twenty, twenty-one. they moved in together because um, she was finishing college. And everybody was saying, well, you're not married, so should you be living together? And then other people were saying, well, when are you guys getting married? You guys have been together for six years. It's like, you... she's still finishing college, first of all. She's still, like, finishing pursuing her life, and also, 21 years old, like, why does that have to be an age? Like, I don't know, it's crazy, like, I'm- I'm Not everyone wants to get married, either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got married when they were ready, so, and it was the best thing, they're so happy they did it, but they waited to do it when they were ready, so, it shouldn't be- It's just anyone's... like
1: sex! <laughs>
2: <laughs> do it when you're ready, not when anybody else tells you, Exactly.
1: i think this is a great time to talk about um speaking of things we're ready for okay (laughs) so
0: i think that concludes all the scenes from volume five that we've talked about so let's wrap this up by discussing our speculations slash wishlist slash things we want from season three of Heartstopper and volume six which will be allegedly maybe the final volume of the Heartstopper universe. stopper well, we'll see five was supposed to be the last one we'll see what's in alice's brain <laughs> uh, i'll start first i hope in either of them we get more of michael and tori because i just love them and they're gonna have to ex- they've already cast michael for the show so they're gonna have to kind of explain who he is because we haven't seen him up till now and like solitaire has kind of already happened Actually, no. Solitaire hap- will happen, like, I think, between... Yep. Yeah. So, like, they're gonna meet and all that stuff. So, like, I'm hoping that gets explained a- just a little bit. Just a little bit. I know Tori's not the focus,
1: but... But I- we need I- more Tori. Yeah. Because and we I did get more last, last season. season. Yeah, a little bit. I got bit. more last season of her protecting Charlie and, like, oh, you know, the kicking the phone out of David's oh, hand. am so happy. Was... <laughs> so happy that happens. <laughs> But yes, we definitely need to get to know Tori more this season.
0: I agree. And I just want a little explanation of Michael rather than just a cameo. Just a little bit for people who haven't read Solitaire. What if they announced the
1: Solitaire spinoff? I would die. (laughs) I would die. And then speaking (laughs) of new uh, cast members, they brought the pug in! They brought Henry! (laughs) Henry! He got cast. I'm so
0: excited for that, too. I kept saying, "Like, what are we getting, Henry?" <laughs> He's
2: a tiny. Oh hug. my god.
0: <laughs> okay, something else I want. I really want the concert scene with Charlie, that was in Volume Five in Season Three, because not only is it cute, adorable, and queer as fuck, but it will be ten times queerer in the show because Imogen and like Sahara will be in the band, and Imogen will be there. And those two have to get together this season. If they I need- don't, I will
1: riot. <laughs> and uh, you just you know, in the scene that Imogen will be joining the group to watch the band because yes, obviously, obviously, obviously. and obviously. Nick will say the line, "That's my boyfriend," and Imogen will just take a step up to be in the frame next to Nick and say, "That's my girlfriend." Oh my god!
0: Ultimate bonding with those two. Yes, I need that so badly.
1: Oh, that'd be so cute. Yeah. I also
0: hope that we get the Head Boy like campaign. If if not in season three, but like maybe in season four, if they do a season four slash volume six. I want to see that Head Boy campaign because I'm really curious how Charlie's gonna handle that because mm-hmm. it involves a lot of like being in the spotlight when you're campaigning. Yeah. And I'm just wondering at this stage in his like mental health recovery journey how he handles that i'm just curious because like i think that charlie has grown quite a bit um since he was able to be on stage and the concert and stuff so i just i would love to see that full circle of just like charlie getting more comfortable with like being in crowds and like having the spotlight on him versus like shrinking away which is what he normally does so i i would love to see how that plays out
1: for sure yeah. i I think it would be very interesting to see the group split when they did the university visits Mm -hmm. because it was very interesting the way they split it and having Nick, Tara, and Elle together and talking and then having Darcy, Tao, Charlie, and all the I mean, the rest of the people back. It just, it would separate it and change dynamics a little bit. And I, I would really like to see that.
0: I'm also curious what the conversation with Darcy and Tara is when it comes mm. to university, because we don't get it. And Tara's like, Darcy's fine. Um, but I'm just yeah. curious, like what their conversation even is.
2: I just want yeah. to see it play out. What makes Darcy decide to take a gap here? I'm curious. Yeah, about exactly. That. Yeah. And Get her- away from
1: her mom. I mean, either way oh, she could get away God. from her parents, but Maybe she's been so stifled in her life that she really does want to
0: just figure, shit ex-
1: out. figure stuff out, maybe explore, probably go visit Tara a lot.
0: She's yeah. <laughs> going to sleep in her dorm yeah. room. Be warm. Yeah. yeah, she's just
2: going to live there, basically. Yeah, she's
0: literally going to freeload. <laughs> but also, I want that conversation, again, just for, like, the representation part of just, like, showing young people like it's okay like again it's insane that at 17 you have to have your life figured out like it's okay to take a year and be like let me figure out more about myself before like committing all this time and energy and money if you're in america to going to university like is university even right for darcy like who even knows like i feel like it's not based on what we've seen of darcy she'd thrive doing something else as a career or a trade school or something Mm -hmm. but like i like that that's her decision, so I just hope we get the conversation to, like, kind of normalize that also. I think that's important. I
2: yeah. wish I wish yeah. America would normalize. I, I'm not sure how common it is in the UK, but I know it's, like, it is a thing that happens, like, gap years. Yeah. Right after high school, or, yeah, right after secondary school. Like, it's normal, like, to take a year to figure yourself out. Maybe travel, go see the world, just live your life as a young adult. That's not a thing yeah. in America. Not really. Like, no, not at all. I didn't even know what a gap year was until I was like
0: watching British television. And right. about- then I heard the I heard a gap year and I'm like, what the fuck is a gap year? And then I was like, Oh, that's actually brilliant. Like why is it not up yeah, here? That's the time to do it.
2: Yeah, when you're young and spry. When you're young, you don't have responsibilities yet. Go figure your shit out. And your knees aren't cracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I did know
1: what a gap year was, but it was always in media saying that it was like awful and like they're it was storylines where the, they had no potential, basically. Mm. So basically, if you don't have any potential, you take a gap year. That's what our media portrayed. And I my mom told me that I'm worried if you would take a gap year, because I don't think you'd want to go back to school if you didn't continue
2: right into it. Mm. So, let's normalize that. Yeah, especially, like, college. You, college isn't necessarily mandatory for everybody, like, you can still be successful without a degree. Like, the idea that you have to have a degree is... Yeah. It's slowly starting to get more and more common that it's not necessary, but there's still such a stigma to people who didn't go to college. So... College is expensive. uh, But at least those people aren't in debt. (laughs) Yeah, right. College is expensive. College is four, can be six years of your life. For some people, it's ten, depending on what, like, getting your master's, your doctorate, like... That's a lot. so And then that, that's a lot of debt you're in. Yeah, Theor. How many
1: years of school have you done?
2: Theor <laughs> is a doctor, in case I you have didn't know. I have a
1: doctorate,
0: know. yeah. So the doctorate is four years. The undergrad was oh, four years. That's so eight years on top of, you know, 12 years of schooling plus two years of residency. So, like, so normal cold. school, 10 plus 10 years. But. I have my, you know, it worked out for me. I have my dream job. So, like, it worked out. I paid off my loans, like, all that stuff. Like, I got a career where I could do that. But, you know, we're in this situation for reasons we're not, I don't want to get into on this podcast. Like, but, you know, normalize the fact that it's okay to figure your shit out and not to, again, to harp back to the sex talk. Like, it's okay to do things at your own pace and do what you want. Yeah. Do what's right for you. It's kind of like the bottom line. Um, speaking of the sex talk, the scene with Olivia Coleman and Nick having the sex talk is going to be amazing and I need it right now. (laughs) It's going to be so good. I hope the dogs are there. (laughs) there. (laughs) Nick's like, I hope Nick is holding Henry he's like, Mom, like, and holding his ears. Because <laughs> he's just a puppy. He's
1: a puppy. I want that scene. Because, like, we like,
0: are going to nail that scene and I want it so badly.
1: And then, like, Nick puts the dog down and then Nick and David are just sitting there listening
2: patiently. Oh, I mean, no.
1: But I just love that the dog's names are David and Henry. It's no, Nellie. Nelly is
2: the... Nellie, Nelly. Nelly. Yeah. David the border is the brother, collie.
1: But they both have... David's from Red, White, and Royal Blue. That's why you were thinking. David is his douchebag
2: brother is who that is. Yeah, because we always
1: made that comparison that there was a David um, in this... And then there's there's something in red, white, and royal blue. Yeah, the beagle. Henry's beagle. Oh my is named god, David. I can't. Yeah. Think of yeah. yeah, so there's a dog named David. David Bowie. N- yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know, Bowie. So like the, the, the Henry and then the David thing. Okay, I got it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I never made that I, connection. Oh my god. <laughs> I promise I prepped for this thing. I had great notes. It's just when I try to stray from
0: my notes, it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. That's what's entertaining about it. <laughs> Nellie and
2: Henry.
1: Oh my god, Nelly. How do I forget about Nelly? I don't Nellie know. Nelly is literally
2: my favorite character. Nelly Nelson. <laughs> it's a, it's like putting my favorite play on words, Nellie Nelson.
1: Nellie Nelson. Yeah. 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 We didn't get enough Nelly in season two.
2: No, we didn't. No, not. Really. there wasn't a lot of Nelly. No.
1: More dogs in season three. My
2: my one oh. boost of serotonin was in episode two where Charlie's just, like, scratching. Like, it's just, like, an in- interlude between scenes. Oh my god, scenes. that was so cute. He's like, you're so cute. You're I so like, cute. I, I would have loved to have known, like, Joe's experience filming that scene. He's literally just, like, scratching Echo for, like, oh however god. long it took to film that little scene. He's probably yes. just having his best time. Like, I get paid to do this. This is my job. I love this.
1: <laughs> and for people listening, in case you didn't know, Echo plays Nelly. Yeah,
2: that's the dog who plays Nelly.
1: Uh, I tried to get Echo on the podcast. They did not respond, oh. unfortunately. But uh, I'll, I can try again. <laughs> go for Henry. <laughs> Let's <Yeah>, go <get> Henry. <laughs> right. I'll try Henry this time. <laughs> but I want a scene where Charlie and his mom really talk.
2: Yes. Where they talk
1: about having to lean on someone for support and his mom realizes that Nick is the same support that her husband is for her because she needs that for herself. So seeing that Nick is this person, I think would be able to accept their relationship more. And I hope that this will also give them like a common ground in general, because those two need to talk and not like be, uh, I feel like his mom needs to let his guard her guard down more when talking to him and not feel like she needs to have so much space between them. She needs yeah. to talk to Olivia Coleman first and then have the <laughs> conversation. We do need a conversation Char- there. Yeah.
0: Charlie's mom needs therapy. And I think I want Charlie to have a conversation with his mom about mom. Maybe you should go see a therapist because I feel yeah. like she, she's, She's Charlie, if Charlie had never sought therapy, where she clearly hasn't, she just shuts down like she did when she was a kid, like, and has never, like, worked through this. So, like, her defensive mechanisms are all very much in place and have been for decades, probably. And her dad is probably somebody who, like, recognizes it, and knows how to, like, calm her down. But mm-hmm. I want Charlie to be like, Mom, maybe you should see a therapist, because I feel like it would help her. And, like, it would normalize it for adults to be like, hey, it's never too late to, like, work through your shit. Also, like, also a good life lesson. I hope she's just not defensive and, like, it leads to a fight. I think that if they get to a better place and a better understanding and after they have a conversation, Charlie can maybe talk. Mm -hmm. Because, like, she's clearly open to it because she let her
1: son do it. So, like, Mm -hmm. I would like for Charlie to be like, hey, mom, have you ever thought about this for yourself? There is a thing where you're like, okay, it's okay for my child to get help. But for me, it's a no-no. Right. Exactly. I would like to see that conversation, even if it ends badly.
0: I just want to see the conversation happen. Mm -hmm that's fair.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think the one I'm most anticipating is, uh, I think it's at the end of, well, no, I think it's at the end of like the, the first half of volume four where they're in, I think it's in Men- Menorca. Is that what it's called? They're on, they're on vacation, the Nelson family. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. Nick's down at the beach <gasps> and yes. he consults his mom. He consults Sarah. Cause she comes down she's like, you've been gone forever. What's going on? And He just starts crying. He's like, I don't know how to handle this. I I love Charlie so much, and I want to help him. I am not ready for Kit Connor and Olivia Colman to make me cry my eyes out in that scene. I know. Uh, Olivia Colman's just gonna make us all cry
1: the entire time that she's on the screen. (laughs) Her and Kit Connor
2: just, they have that chemistry as, like, a mom and son. Like, they just, they just, yeah. I mean, the coming out scene of season one made me cry, so... I love
1: the, like, the outtake where she was just like, I'm sorry, he just made me cry. What was I gonna say?
2: <laughs> was I supposed to say something else? <laughs> she is precious. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm really curious to see how, um, like, even just the books outside of, because I think Alice hinted that, um, at least this winter, the novella That takes place Mm -hmm. during the winter, like the summer, the Christmas after Charlie goes to the hospital, that that's supposed to get incorporated. I'm really curious about that. But I wonder if Nick and Charlie, the novella, is actually going to get tied in at all. So, especially to the end of Volume 6. But, like, I don't know if it'll be in this season, but, like, into Volume 6, I'm very curious. So. You're muted.
0: (laughs) Sorry, there was dogs barking. I said that's a really good point, point. I don't know. I wonder if Nick and Charlie at all will get tied into the show. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I mean, she's. I was gonna say she. It depends. I, I, I guess the hint would be if there's gonna be a season four to see what happens with Michael and Tori in season three, because if mm-hmm. solitaire stuff is sprinkled in, then maybe that would hint that Nick and Charlie would get sprinkled into the last season potentially.
2: Yeah, I think this or winter parts of it, at least. I think this winter is kind of a given, but I think also because like that's when Henry is introduced in in the exactly
0: series. yeah um,
2: that's Henry's introduction yeah so it's like I think that just kind of has to happen I plus think... the way that they handle Charlie being at the hospital like the way that David is like a stark contrast from like Nick and everybody yeah yeah you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> I saw that eye roll Can we
1: oh, do David as well. I mean because we just got rid of Ben. You know, yeah, but let's <laughs> save it off. Today. Which is
0: interesting cuz Ben is in Solitaire. So I find it really <sighs> interesting that she just like cut him out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder think, if it was the um... actor though. Was it them not inviting Ben back or is it Ben the actor?
2: Well, I I know that he basically confirmed along with Alice that they said, "Yeah, we're we're not having Ben come back." Yeah, I think and Alice I know Alice cut him out. He is doing other things now as far as I know. Like he's got other projects he's working on, which I think anybody from Heartstopper, like once they're done, they're going to be doing. Like, you look at Kit; he's doing a movie. Joe's on Broadway right now, so yes, everybody's doing other things. So. Joe's got
1: multiple projects going on. That oh are my god! Just, like, yeah, delayed currently.
2: Yeah, so everybody's doing other things. So that's what happens when you're actually what really Ecco's good. Gonna do. <laughs> Continue to be a successful Instagram star, probably. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Alright, so Theora, you put...
0: Uh... Okay, so basically, <laughs> now that we've kind of wrapped up, we're not ready, but we're ready for the end of Hardstock for the show and the volumes. Um, we're gonna do a little bit of uh, talking about something that Alice did. I think she did like Q&A stuff mm-hmm. on like Tumblr, I think Tumblr kind of is where Heartstopper started, and I I found it really surprising that Alice is still like true to like the Tumblr stuff and like releases the comic stuff on Tumblr before it's published. I'm really surprised that she's still doing it's amazing. that. I'm surprised I'm the publisher is letting her do. That. Mad respect to her, um but so she did like some. She answered some like questions she was getting basically about Nick and Charlie and just the the universe of Heartstopper, and so I just kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about some of these like. That were in here so one of the questions was like what would imogen and isaac be like in the comic books and like they're just book nerds and i think that's <laughs> so freaking cute also i love that like imogen basically basically like, going on about her book idea and it's like in, in insane detail and isaac's not a li- not really listening but also listening while reading the ballad and songbirds and snakes and that is a hundred percent a book
1: he would be reading so i just i love it how did you figure that out? Is it just like the Zoom cover? in. It, it says it. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, if I zoom in, it's gonna mess up everything. So right. <laughs> I love that she does I it do-
2: where the characters are answering and not her. I love that so much.
1: Yes. Awesome. Yes, oh, I love that too. It would have been so much easier for her not to draw these things, but it makes it so much better. I love mm. that someone asked her what the clothing swap between Tori and and Michael, Michael. Yes. Michael would be, <laughs> for some reason, I wanted to call him Matthew, and I was like, I know that's not right, I think it's Michael, but now I'm scared to say any name out loud. <laughs> but yes, the oversized clothing on Tori, and then I, I didn't realize, at first that they actually switched fully, both switched clothing, and that the shirt is so tight on him. But it's Michael, he's
0: so secure with who he is, he's like, it's fine, it's fine. I just oh. love
2: Michael. I do. I love Michael so much. I'm so excited to see him in the show. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: And then, uh, God, Nick and Charlie, (laughs) names, man, uh, talking about a wedding. Their wedding. They're planning
0: their wedding. (laughs) It's so cute. Just
1: like, this is, this This is 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 their pillow pillow talk. talk. Yeah. (laughs) I love that it's, like,
0: in university, too. So, like, indicating that Alice is, like, oh, very early on, they start, like, planning this. Yeah. Which is very cute and sweet. And, like, hints that, like, when they actually end up in the long distance stuff, that it doesn't actually disrupt them. It does actually... They do make it work. Because, like, Mm -hmm. long distance is hard, and it's not for everyone. So I
2: like that she's hinting that, like, they make it work. Yeah. Which is really cute. There's not a doubt from, like halfway through the series on, that it's like, oh, they end, they stay together, so there's not that anxiety of will they, won't they, it's just, how right. do they work through their relationship, through their stages of life? I love that so much.
0: Yes, I love that. Also, I love the details of the wedding, like, Charlie wants, like, <laughs> uh, like a huge wedding, and Nick's like, that's that's tiny, and then... and then 80 people, what? 80 people, and he's like, <laughs> do you do even know 80 people? people? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and Charlie's like, no church, I, which... I, I'm here for that. And then they yeah. decide to do it on a beach
1: because that's where they decided to be boyfriends. And so that's... <laughs> I love that.
0: They definitely need a beach wedding.
1: Yes. Something... The, the next one makes me just melt, though. Oh
0: my god, Someone When
1: asked what job um Nick would do they all have but like she answers for Nick and it's just it's Nick being a teacher and like this little girl like uh crying to him and he's like it's okay tell me what happened and he's just so understanding I just like he'd be such a
0: great teacher I love it oh my god I love it I love the background too she's like well he starts like playing like semi-pro rugby Mm -hmm. and coaching and that's how he realized that he's good with kids and like ends up being a teacher i love that the journey he takes it's very Mm -hmm. nick um and then charlie so we never talked about this on the podcast but like part of charlie's character is that he loves like like classic literature that's why he has like posters of like classic literature books on his walls and so he becomes essentially like a an editor slash publisher kind of deal and he like mm. specializes in historical fiction very charlie thing to do also so i love that he also gets a career that's very fitting of his personality as well it's so true
2: oh the pictures. is just nick is just like lashed on and while he's sleeping and probably yes. just scribbling with the with the other arm
1: <laughs> just so used to this be like yep i know how to write
2: one-handed yep, yep. Perfect introduction to having kids, too, if they ever do have kids. It's like, that's just, that's just, you're gonna do everything one-handed. That's what my mom always said. <laughs> Everything's one-handed. Also, I think they do have kids, because there's a pain later where it says,
0: like, Nick and Charlie are getting ready to go to work, and there's, like, a quote oh, off to the yeah! side. Oh, yeah! Dads, hurry up, I'm gonna be late for school. So I think they do uh... have kids, is the implication? Or a kid?
2: At least one, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. They get the dog first. <laughs> the next
1: image is uh when nick not nick charlie oh my god charlie gets a stuffed cat when he is born and this is like his security animal and then nick finds it and asks who it is (laughs) and charlie gets embarrassed and says no one and then later (laughs) uh nick is the one sleeping with it (laughs) that's very cute that's love right there. And then we get them in their fifties.
0: Yeah, and they look <laughs> adorable and cute, and, and they're,
1: they're happy, 50.
0: and they're still together. And then we just get pains, uh, pains of them when they're older and together. And so we get the one that applies. They have kids, and then I, mm-hmm. their nighttime routine, which is literally falling asleep on the couch
2: with two golden retrievers.
1: The dogs are amazing. I love it. I never, that photo makes me so happy.
2: I never noticed there was two dogs. Oh my gosh, there are two. They got another There's one. There's two dogs. <laughs> God. Well, Nellie, Henry, they gotta get two. I want to know what the dogs' names are. I think Daisy is one of them, if I remember right. Um, I don't. Big I didn't know there was. An, I didn't know there was a second one, but yeah.
1: Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: then there's them dancing at a wedding, and then we get oh. Tara and Darcy when they're older, and yes. just so they're still together, which is cute. And it's them at Nick and Charlie's wedding, and. <laughs> Darcy like cuts all her hair off, and you know what?
2: That suits you, girl. Mm-hmm. It does. Those suspenders. Uh, this also like the shirt. Yes. It's like this like colorful sh- short
0: sleeve shirt. Everything about Darcy is very on brand for Darcy. She's very fashionable. I know she I is. I love Darcy. <laughs> and then another question was like, do either of Nick or Charlie get like piercings or tattoos? And so. <laughs> This is very them, also. Charlie gets one ear pierced, and then Nick decides to get a tattoo of Nellie when she dies, which is (laughs) a very Nick thing to do to, like, get tattoos of loved ones when they pass away. That's a very Nick thing to do.
1: But he breaks it up before Nellie dies. He's like, maybe I'll do it when Nellie... And Charlie's like, maybe don't think about that. (laughs) Makes a little teary-eyed, like, uh... ugh.
2: I know how that feels.
1: (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> heart
0: hardstopper always leaves always leaves feelings behind.
2: <laughs> it makes you laugh
0: and it makes you cry so hard. I know. Just everything <laughs> about it. So I think to wrap up our hardstopper discussion for now, until the next thing that comes out. I think we need to rank this with the Lesbian Jesus hydration scale. This is our scoring system developed with gay science, which makes mm-hmm, it super see? accurate. Method for determining how valuable a piece of queer media is to the queer library. Why are we hydrating? Because queer media, like li- like water, is essential to life. So, how would you guys rate Volume Four, Volume Five, on the Lesbian Jesus Hydration Scale?
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm new to this scale, so oh, okay. <laughs> I am very new to this scale, so. This is just basically
1: how much you liked it. That's, yeah. That's what I base it. How, how
0: important was, like, how important is this piece of career media to you, like, in the context uh, of all the career media? Like, am I allowed to
2: say a thousand out of ten? Because, like, yeah. yeah, Heartstopper's been well, in my life since 2017, and it was, like, 0.5 step on my personal journey? Because I found it when I was, like, 20, and that was a long time ago now when I think about it. She made it Christmas. So I'm like, yeah, I'd say... For lesbian Jesus hydration a thousand. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's
0: really hard to give Hardstopper anything other than a perfect score. It gets like Beyonce scores, where it's like if you <laughs> ever saw like, um, the Good Place, yes. where they were like, it's imp- it's it is possible for something to be like a hundred and twelve percent or something. <laughs> He's like that is possible. That's how you got Beyonce. Like that's basically Hardstopper. It's like the Beyonce of like queer media, where like. It's beyond perfect. Everything about it is just, Alice did such a spectacular job with this. And, and this, this volume in particular, I really, really love for all the reasons we've stated throughout this. It's just, it handles YA topics in such a beautiful way. And I love where Charlie's at in his mental health journey. Like you can I'll clearly see him growing, but still like processing and Nick making the uni decision that was right for him was also so so special and we get like their first time together and there's a lot of really good things that happen in this like short little novel and i just and tori the conclusion of tori coming out like it just it's it's so good all the water all the water
1: <laughs> i just want to point out that our first section is likes and dislikes and normally we start with dislikes <laughs> Uh, we did not say anything that we didn't like. There's no dislikes. This. There's not enough so, of it. That's my only of dislike. Of course it
2: has to yeah, be Yeah, there's not a 10. enough. <laughs> <laughs> Need more.
1: And <laughs> if you've listened, you know I don't give out 10s. Like not even when we were watching did I give out 10s. I have been more understanding of the importance of this. I, it, it You really can't not give it a 10.
0: I know. You just There's nothing wrong. It's just it's such an important piece of career like you just Mm -hmm. can't it's lovely in all the other ways yeah Yeah. so we would all hydrate all the water for lesbian jesus thank you alice for giving us Heartstopper stopper for giving us volume (laughs)
1: five and a volume six the fact that it also didn't end here gives it more points (laughs) and alice if you happen to be listening to this and you want to come talk to us about it we'd be more than willing to have you and if anybody listening wants us to talk to alice maybe just nicely, kindly shoot her uh, at on social media and be like, hey, talk to these people.
0: It'll be fun. We might die, but we would love to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, we're going to sign off from Heartstopper for now, but we won't be done with Heartstopper. We'll be back for season three, uh, depending on when that's going to... They've already shot it, so it should They'd be coming out...
1: Like, around the August time,
2: again. Yeah, probably. Okay.
0: But in the end of the year. So we'll be back for that, and at some point we will cover solitaire because it's just such a good book and volume six whenever that comes out so <laughs> plenty of hard supper stuff to come uh thank you everybody for coming along on this journey with us and until next time keep hydrating for lesbian jesus and gay it up all over the place Bye. bye